And at the same time COVID hit, I got a contract to do a two-year contract to fly a 3.8 million square foot Amazon facility that was being built. Welcome to Elevating Drone Life, the podcast for drone professionals that takes you on a journey through the exciting and ever-evolving world of drone technology. Each week, we'll be speaking with professionals from all walks of the drone industry to learn about their experiences, insights, and tips for success. Welcome to Elevating Drone Life. Welcome to this week's episode of Elevating Drone Life. I'm your host, PJ Kirkpatrick, and we'll be speaking with Drone U Elite instructors and Drone U members and exploring how these professionals are leading the way in the industry. Joining us today is Kevin Letterer, owner and operator of Sky King Images, a leading drone service provider in the industry. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Hey, how are you, PJ? Glad to be here. Fantastic. So, Kevin, can you share your story about how you got into drone services and the kind of services you provide? It's kind of an interesting story. I, you know, my life, I've been flying fixed-wing airplanes since I was about 12 years old. RC planes, not real, not the real planes, but sure. RC planes. And so, my whole life, I've kind of been doing that on and off. And then one day, I went to a conference in Las Vegas, Nevada. And there were some door prizes. And I actually won a Phantom 2 Vision Plus drone <laughs> quadcopter. And um, it was kind of funny because like a month and a half after that, they discontinued the Phantom 2 and went to the Phantom 3 Advance. So, you know, maybe it was just getting rid of stock. But <laughs> um, so I taught myself to fly that. And then at that time, well, it was probably 2015 beginning of 2015, maybe late 2014, um, they used to have a drone day. And it was kind of ran by a couple. I don't even remember their names, but they're not even in the industry anymore as far as I know. Sure. And I happened to Google, and I saw that Drone U was going to do the drone day here. In, and then I realized it was here in New Mexico that they were going to do it. So I reached out, and that's when I joined Drone U at that point. Hey, you're probably one of the first members. I've never really asked them, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure I probably was. Um, Early they, adopter. Uh, and I was a paying member for probably close to eight months, maybe. And then I ran into Paul at the park. And we we're getting ready to do the fly-in. And he asked me if I would run one of the events at the first fly-in, which mm -hmm. was in Albuquerque here. Um, I believe you were there. Or maybe. Were you there? On the first Not at one? the first one. I was at the first, uh, second, second flying. Second one. And so I did the, I think that event, well, I did the same event for both fly-ins. Uh, I think it was video um, cinematography, drone sure. cinematography. And um, at that first fly-in, that was kind of the test to see if we were going to become drone U elite pilots and we passed the test and well, the rest of history. <laughs> yeah. They started the drone U, the drone U elite pilot program. Not too long after that, a few more months. Um, and that's where it started. My business started. I really started in residential um, real estate and Got a lot of stick time in, but not a lot of money. 
Sure. Did you have uh, did you have to get your three 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 or did you was this around part one oh seven time? So it was prior to one oh seven and I was in the process of getting my three three three. It was interesting. Uh Drone U is real critical in a lot of these situations because the one oh seven wasn't even available yet. In fact, I think I was the second person to take the test on the very first day of the one oh seven. Paul got in before me. But <laughs> So right at 107, that's when I really started doing more real estate. Because before that, I was just doing it for some friends. And there was a lot of legalities that, you know, I that I had concerns over. So I didn't want to do anything illegal. Sure. What, what were the uh, major concerns that you had? Well, it was if you're selling those the photographs right. um, or if you're making money from the photographs. And what is the penalty? Because... But no one knew what the penalty was, not even the FAA at the time. So <laughs> right. um, they didn't. And I didn't want to put a negative aspect on the drone movement at the time. And everybody was going to be a drone pilot and selling stuff because you could buy drones pretty inexpensively. And just, oh, they're automated now. I'm a professional pilot. And right. so what I focused on was actually in the drone U, the structured flights that drone you had placed out on their website so i really focused on just flying learning the cameras and stuff but really just the flight skills and i was flying you know probably four or five hours a week just to fly just to get you know at the time it was always called the buttery smoothness right that's right yeah, and, i remember that and, paul mentions that often yeah and um so that's what i did and then uh, 2018 was kind of my big takeoff of the company. I got a contract with a construction company for Top Golf, and then that's where my niche finally started coming into play was construction safety and construction progression, photographs and, and videography. So Top Golf uh, was your first introduction into the construction space. Into the construction space, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, it's fun. And then in the middle of the Top Golf situation COVID hit well we're at the end COVID hit and at the same time COVID hit I got a contract to do a two-year contract to um, fly a 3.8 million square foot Amazon facility that was being built that first contract was once a week oh no once every other week that moved to once a week because of the quality of the data I was providing to them. Sure. Then they liked that, that so much. It went to twice a week and then they added another contract for interior. So I had three contracts for just that one facility. And during that one facility, they decided to build another 1.2 million square foot Amazon next door. And I got that contract. Well, that's outstanding. Yeah. So you're in the right spot, at the right time. And it sounds so, yeah. like, can you share your story that, um, with the audience, because I think it's interesting how you you've won the contract. Right. And it sounds mm -hmm. like the customer didn't know what they didn't know. Right. So did you have to educate them on what the uh, possibilities of the deliverables that they could receive? Well, during the conversations with the supers on the site um, and I did this all through an aggregate, by the way, don't, I don't want sure. I, I, I was not producing anything. I was Copy. providing raw footage to to another company 
And when you say aggregate, are you uh, speaking about like a pilot network company? Yeah, yeah kind, kind of like a pilot network company. Yeah. Got me. Um, which, by the way, most of my work is done through those now. And it, I don't advertise. It's all word of mouth. These pilot companies, they talk to each other. And they're sure. like, hey, we know someone here who did great for us. And and so, yeah. Um, so anyway, long story short, since 2019, well, 2020, all the way through now, I've done three Amazon facilities, the top golf, and now I'm doing, I just picked up another contract for 125 cell towers and then, um, and then doing some work for uh, automated semi-truck traffic flow intersection videotaping, which is not a lot of flight skills, but it's a very well-paid drone babysitter job. Well, I love that you you commented about how you receive these jobs through pilot network because I want to explore that because there's I think there's a um there's a lot of companies out there some are are very good when I say good I mean they mm-hmm. treat the pilots well they pay mm-hmm. well um, and then there's other pilot networks that kind of like it's a race to the bottom right we're going to pay the pilot a uh, very little bit amount of money and we're going to take most of it so uh, how do you navigate that space to ensure you're not being taken advantage of I would actually like to help people if they have questions about that because I have one pilot network who owes me money still, and it's been over two years. Sure. Um, I think there's actually a, a, and we won't name names, but you know who I'm. You, you know, I've had a conversation with you. Sure, I'm familiar with them. So how, yeah, like share without naming names and stuff like that, because I think it's important that pilots understand how to protect themselves too, right? So, um. Yeah, tell me a little bit more about your pilot networking experience. There's two things on this because there are spoof pilot networks also. But in particular, I ask the questions, how long are you going to take to pay me? What is your net? Is your net 30? Are you net 60 days? What is it? And get it in writing. Also talk to other pilots. If you know people who have done some of this work for some of these pilot companies, go talk to them and see how they feel. It turns out that this one particular company hasn't finished paying me. I mean, they paid a little bit, but they haven't finished paying it. Sure. I kind of knew a history of this company. So they wanted me to fly a bunch of cell towers. And I told them I'd only do this much until I was paid. That's how I handled them. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have known the history of them unless I hadn't talked to some other pilots. Sure. But I can tell you, I've only seen two pilot companies go down and I think this one probably is going down also. Um, at some point you run out of fooling people. Yeah. And there's something about karma, right? It'll catch up with you. It does. It does. And, um, but there's some great companies out there and most of them will pay you within three days. Oh, that's they never say, They'll never say the ones that tell me net 30 or net 60 are the ones that I struggle to get money out of. So if you're a pilot out there and you're working with the pilot network, it sounds like Kevin's uh, based on your experience that most pilot networks aren't paying net 30 or 60. Right. So would that be considered maybe a flag that you might want to do a little bit more investigation on? I would consider a flag. Now I've had pilot networks who said 30 net 30 and they've right on net 30. Not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. 
in fact, the one that all the Amazons were were net 30 and they never missed a payment. It was always there. That's and, good to know. Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, that's that's the trigger question, in my opinion, is how do you pay? What do you pay? You know? Yeah, I think. I think there's a negative. Um, some people have a negative assessment towards pilot networks. I don't. I mean, I started out flying pilot networks myself, too. And uh, I think it's very good that you're kind of dispelling that myth about pilot networks. They, For folks that are just getting introduced into the business, pilot networks are a great way to get experience, right? There are. But I would consider there's two different levels of pilot network. There's the level I'm talking about that typically you're doing more advanced type of of flying and capturing of video and and then there's the I don't even remember what that company's name was it's been probably still around I've never flown for them where, I know what you're you talking know, about they want you to go off there for fifty five dollars or something and yep mostly and residential one time, right and it's a one mostly residential and I wouldn't even call that a pilot network because I mean that's low hanging fruit and if you need some experience it's a great way to start right it's a good way to start but you. I, I never flew those. Um, literally, I flew the higher end pilot networks, and they are at that. They are out there. So, what are kind of the um, spectrum or the range of payment that a pilot can anticipate from a pilot network that's doing business with Enterprise? It depends on what you're flying. I think in the construction field, you'll see a range of like in price. You can see a range from 125 bucks. A day or like, and it's usually like one and a half hours sure. of data capture to five or six hundred dollars for that same time period. It just depends on what it is. I have found that the longer the contracts, the it'll be the lower rate, but you're also going to make fifty thousand dollars in a year because of the amount of flying that you're doing in that one with not a lot of hours on the clock. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I love how you, uh, you know, took that pilot network model and kind of capitalized on it because with construction projects, it's repeatable, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're going out doing progression yes, missions mm-hmm. like every week or every other week, depending on the contract, right? So right. how long was your contract? You mentioned Amazon for one of the facilities. How long did that last? The large facility was 19, uh, um, at 20 months. Wow. Almost two years. Yeah. And I was flying that three times a week. That's fantastic. Yeah. So when you think about that, that's there's some logistics to that. I had backup pilots. So sure. I had I had a pilot that would come out and be a visual observer for me so that they would be familiar with what the how my process was. Because um, I had the process down refined where <laughs> yeah. I was I was not ma- I was not wasting a, a minute. You know, that's fantastic. What are some of the uh, lessons learned and not to give away too much of your recipe for success, but uh, what are some best practices that you can share with the audience? So the big I'll tell you, the biggest value lesson is to have a portable generator. Don't rely on other battery charging systems. So there are some good ones out there. Um Having the portable generator gives you everything that you need in right there. Yeah, because you can't fly if you don't have any batteries, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, you probably heard me say it many times, but if you have one drone, you have none. Yep. Um, 
Backups for backups. So, backups for backups. So I actually was running at the time I was running four Phantom Four V twos and, and three Mavics. Um, I was flying Mavics inside because they have full cage for their props. Mm-hmm. So when you catch like a, a string coming out of, and we're talking a five story building that's three point nine million square feet. All right. So you know it's huge, and there's pull strings and there's things hanging that you can't see. Lots of challenges. And, and lots of challenges. And so those cages turned out great for that inside stuff. It it was really, well, really important. Um, yeah, I mean, the logistics wise is have enough batteries. I actually always had enough batteries to do the whole job without charging. Mm-hmm. But if I had back to back jobs, I still have to charge. So, you know, I have a work truck. And so I would uh, fire up the generator and charge batteries while I'm driving to the next site. Oh, that's awesome. So in addition to running your own business, I know that uh, you're also a drone U elite instructor, which basically means you've, you've trained pilots on how to fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to yeah. share some of the, your, your story and how did you get involved with uh, the drone U elite space and, and what are some of the things you enjoy about doing that? You know, I think there's kind of a mutual interest between Jeronu and myself. Um, I have a background of a lot of different things, but I was an instructor for heating and air conditioning at a community college for a while. And I really enjoyed instructing, sure. but I really enjoyed flying drones. And so, you know, I had been practicing the curriculum before Jeronu even existed. And that's how I got the quality that was provided to like all these companies is because I put the stick time in to get those skills. That's important. I don't think a lot of people realize how important it is to get that stick time. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it will set you apart from other, other pilots. Um, but we, we started teaching and I mean, I've had the opportunity to teach fire department personnel and um, SWAT teams and in fact, one particular SWAT team is getting ready to have Gronu teach them for multiple days. It's going to be a city and then county sheriffs and possibly state police. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, they actually call, called me this week. So they're going to reach out and get the bids as soon as they have a, a solid number because, you know, they have to do all the, the PO and work and stuff. But so have you found that um, students that you teach, it sounds like um, law enforcement and the public safety space is starting to adopt and really push forward with drones. Is, is that what you're seeing out there? I do. Um, I also see that those services are now asking for training prior to buying equipment. Um, where before they were buying equipment and we get there and it's just not the right equipment for their job. Sure. Someone sold them a, a drone that yeah. they thought they needed yeah. and realized that doesn't do everything they want it to do, right? Right. They're really like, for instance, Las Cruces Police, we taught their SWAT, but we're also we're going to be teaching the rest of their SWAT teams because they have found that the portability of the smaller drones over the, they have a large drone with the X7 zoom, but they hardly use it because the flight time's fairly short and the charge time on the big batteries is long. They use it when they can, but they've found flying the smaller drones that 
and also the smaller FLIR that um, they're more beneficial. They can pull them right out of the back of their vehicles and just put them in the, you know, dial them up, put them in the air. They're all, they have a program where they're familiar with all their restricted airspaces and they have everything in place so they know exactly who to notify if they have to go up. And the interesting story behind Las Cruces Police is they wanted to start the drone program. They bought their equipment before they, and then they decided we really need to learn how to protect the drones and protect the public. It sounds like they, they were early adopters into this, right? Weren't they one of the first? Yeah, they really are. So they've also attacked all the legal sides in the right way. So they they have their files. They share with other law enforcement communities how they can do searches and when they need the warrants and when they don't need a warrant and everything. Um, but the driver for their drone program was actually two of the SWAT members were looking for a felon that had just shot a few people. And um, this is in Las Cruces, which is close to the border of the United States and Mexico, not too far away. And so the two SWAT individuals in the dark are looking through these bushes on a, and they're sitting at the bottom of this, like a hill. And the border patrol is actually using a camera off their truck on top of the hill, driving parallel to them and caught up to them. And they found the individual that they were looking for three feet behind the SWAT guys wow. with the FLIR and the SWAT guys never knew they were there. He was there. Do you think they would have found him without the aid of a drone? No, they said they wouldn't have. So now they've implemented FLIR drones as part of their walking process. So there's someone watching them while they're doing their work to make sure that there's something, you know, hidden in the bushes like this was. Wow, that's really interesting. That's a great story. Yeah, it's interesting because that's really what started driving them is how can we do this? I love hearing those uh, how like different departments are implementing their, their drones and their programs. And, you know, each department has their own use cases. But like you said, even with the big drone, as expensive as it is, and it sounded like it would be the be-all drone for everything, but it has a use case. And not every drone can do everything right. So it sounds like yeah. that's something that they've learned from experience. Yeah, I think, I, and I may, you know, I could be wrong that that wasn't the driver, but they they definitely were sharing that kind of story, you know, and multiple. And I, I'm real proud of where they're at. Um, they're doing a great job. They, they really are. I love the law enforcement community in the sense that, like you mentioned, they're willing to share their experiences and share the knowledge with other departments, mm-hmm. um, all in an effort to, you know, increase the safety for people. So that's awesome. Well, I think they found the value in the training and, and continuous training. And I think that's something that DroneU does provide um, is the changes, the changes in FAA rules, the changes in the equipment that's available and being able to learn those and train on those things is critical because, you know, especially law enforcement and fire, they're always training. They're training on something constantly. And, and, you know, I think Las Cruces was neat because they also brought in their traffic, traffic guys, I guess. And then 
they're they're learning how to fly those type of situations. Mapping accidents probably is what they're doing. I didn't get any I don't have any cool stories on that one. But. Sure. <laughs> no, that's going to be pretty popular too because I think accident reconstruction with drones can be conducted faster than traditional methods. Which, for example, yeah. I know that uh, I know there's a story in Canada where they've used this very effectively because the economics of shutting down a a highway for oh, yeah, sure. a long period of time could it be two to four hours and i think they've been able to cut that down to at least a third of the time with using drones at least yeah and, and it makes sense i mean even from a safety you know we talked about the one safety story there but um i've been talking to another county sheriff department here in new mexico where we're, we're rural you know there's not a lot of there's a lot of desert out here sure and um and they were asking about some of the uh, the FLIR technology that's portable because when there's a rollover and they roll up onto it, they may not know how many people were in the vehicle and if anybody was ejected. And so they're thinking we could do a, a grid with with a FLIR and just see if we see something. And FLIRs don't always work. And the smaller drones, the FLIR cameras are not that great, but – you can usually find something pretty warm pretty quick, especially in the dark. Yeah. And so they're thinking about starting to implement those just for that kind of situation where there's a traffic accident in the middle of nowhere. And they really don't know how, who was, everybody's unconscious and no, they don't know how many people were in the vehicle. Wow. You know, and so it's just interesting. It's, a, it's kind of terrible to think about. Oh, but, absolutely. But so that's, that's it. Training is my favorite thing to do. It is a, a blast. Um, I've trained quite a few people. Yeah. Well, it shows because I think, uh, you know, we get to see uh, a lot of the feedback from students and you're definitely one of the top drone unit instructors that we have here and, and well, awesome. uh, very grateful for you. And I'm very grateful for you coming on the show and sharing your story. You if, bet. uh, if there's one thing you wanted to leave your audience with or uh, some advice that you can give up and coming pilots, what would you like to share with them? Right off the bat, fly, get your stick time in. Um, have confidence, but, and we, we can talk about it in training. We've had people who've never even flown a drone and in five hours, six hours later, they're flying an obstacle course with confidence. Um, I know you've probably seen that. I've seen it multiple times. Um, it just, and that's so cool. They are nervous and, you know, but once they understand the safeties and how to recover and how to control it and why it's doing, the drone's doing things like dipping during curves and things like that, they seem to get this confidence. And so just practice, even if, you know, go take a class if you can, because you're going to get that hands-on from somebody who has had a lot of hands-on and you'll, you have that confidence because you know that you're going to be okay, you know? Yeah. That's great advice. Yeah. For people who are trying to get into the commercial side of this, watch that there. I've been inundated with scammers in the last two weeks. There's companies out there. People pretend that they're private investigators or people that are pretending like they work for a survey company and, they need these type of shots and they're going to pay you 5,000. But if you hurry up and do it, they're going to give you 6,000. And then they want to do it on a credit card or they want to pay you with a cashier's check. 
And this is how that scam works. And what happens is it's a bad cashier's check or it's a stolen credit card. But they're going to overpay you and then they're going to want you to send them back some money. Hmm. Then everything falls apart and you're you're out money. I've, I've been hit with these about nine, maybe 10 times in the last three weeks and probably 20 times over my since 2015 when I started a business. Wow. I'm really glad you brought that up because I was not aware of some of that scamming that's been going on. Yeah. So they're hitting um, the drone industry hard right now and they will actually use famous people, drone pilots Mm -hmm. and say, Oh, you know, like, Hey, Paul sent me to you because he said you would be able to take care of this job. Yeah. So protect yourselves out there. Yeah, and it's either surveying or it's tragic stories. One of the private investigators working for some lawyers, and there was a boy out in the middle of the desert in New Mexico, and he ran his riding motorcycle and hit a power line, and it killed him. And so they're setting up the lawsuits and everything, but they need video footage of the scene. And then they'll email you. Oh, let me email you and I'll add my, the lawyers that I'm working for on the email so we can keep all the communication in the group. It was a scam. So will they ask the pilots for money? So what they do is they, like this one in particular, he's like, how much would you charge? I need it done by tomorrow. And I said, oh, because I already had been through this. I'm like oh, yeah. $10,000. Uh, $10, I have to drive a couple miles, uh, a couple hours back and forth and stay the night and get this footage and come back. That's what I told him. So I told him $10,000 right off the top. He sure. goes, you know what? If you can do it tomorrow, I'll give you 12. Wow. And then of course I didn't do it. I canceled. I said, actually, we're not doing this job. You're a scammer. But, and he never replied back. Some of the things they do, they will never talk to you on the phone. They'll actually pretend to be that they have no hearing. They can't hear, so you have to communicate in between through text or through email. They usually want you to pay a sub, like on the surveying. Hey, we're going to pay you this. Can you make sure to pay this? Pay all the subs when you when you're done. Which I don't know why people fall for this, but they do. Oh, because they hear they hear twelve thousand dollars. Like, mm, yeah, that's great for right. one day's work. <laughs> for one day's work. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. That's what we're hearing. The key is they're going to offer you more money. And if they offer you more money than you're asking, it's a scam. Wow. That is a huge public service. I think you're providing right now, Kevin, because well, I wasn't aware of a lot of these uh, scammers. I have not been engaged with them, but it's out there. And maybe uh, the reason reason I don't get them, maybe because I have to invest a lot of money on, uh, services that prevent those calls from getting to me. So <laughs> right, right. Maybe that's why I don't get them. But uh, yeah, it's out there. It's it's a real thing. And I'm so glad you brought that up. It, it's, it's just crazy. So just be careful out there because this industry is all over the place when it comes to people trying to make money. And I'm going to tell you right now, make sure you pay, you charge what you think your value is. Um, there are plenty of companies that will take the lowest bidder. And I don't know many of those lower, lower bidder companies that are even in business still. Yeah, I know when Part 107 came out, it seemed to be like a race to the bottom when it comes to it you know paying pilots did. for the value of work that they're providing. So um, yeah, thank you again for bringing that up. 
Yeah, and, and, and that's important. Your value is important. Um, I can give you a quick real estate, commercial real estate story. Please do. A commercial real estate realtor contacted me and asked me how much I charge to do a project. And I told them, this is what I'm going to charge. And, and they said, well, my other drone pilot is much cheaper. And I said, you called me. So. Oh, so he tried to leverage. Uh... Right. I didn't go out and cold call her. Right. Or their company. Yeah. They called me and I ended up doing the job. But, but so they will try to do these things. You know, you just have to kind of hold to what you think your value is. I love that. Um, know your value and don't compromise. I love that. Yeah. Don't base your hourly off of social media and asking people, what do you think I should charge? Because every region is different. Yeah. That's a very popular question we get is, you know, how much should we charge? Uh, the one thing I don't think people realize or are not taking into consideration when they come up with their, uh, their fees or how much they're going to charge for the job is when they do the job, they're out there for like maybe say three hours. But what the customer doesn't see is the preparation that goes into those three hours, right? And the time it takes to put those deliverables together, right? Yeah. So a lot of things Mm -hmm. need to be consideration on the economic side of when you're coming up with the prices that you're charging your customers because you need to recoup those costs. Your time is valuable. Um, So that's a great point. You're right. I mean, I would like to say that I am fantastic at everything. (laughs) Uh, and I think on another podcast I did, maybe with Robert one time, I said, I I could spend seven hours on a video and I'll still have a crappy video. <laughs> right. Where I could be flying those seven hours and pay somebody to make me a good video. So that's my focus. I, I don't do much post-production. I have a guy that does it for me on my video and a guy photo edits the way I want my photo editing done because I would much rather be getting more content and getting paid for that than putting out crappy video, you know? Yeah, that's a great point. Doing what, and it's your business, right? You get to do what you want to do. And if sitting in front of a computer processing data is not your thing, then yeah, outsource that and doing the right thing. I'm just not that creative in flight, not creative in Adobe Premiere or whatever. I think you're selling yourself short, Kevin. (laughs) Before we wrap this up, if someone wanted to get a hold of you and your company, how would they go about doing that? So I actually have a website under construction, um, but the email system does work. I also have, if you want to contact me for flight training, um, go to the drone news website and our, my pilot page is there. Um, actually a lot of pilots are on that page. They're regional. So, and, uh, the name of your company is sky King, sky King images and it's sky King images.com. Um, like I said, it's under construction right now. Cause I didn't, again, I'm not a great website. Sure. Producer, so, what's, so, so what's the best way to get a hold of you, Kevin email address. Email address is the best way is skykingimages at gmail.com or for the instructions is kevinl at the droneu.com. Outstanding, Kevin. Well, thank you for your time today. Oh, uh, you bet. I'm grateful for you sharing your story and uh, providing our audience and pilots some of the best practices and lessons that you've learned so they don't have to recreate the wheel. So with that, I'm very grateful for you. So with that, 
uh, GFY. Very grateful for you, Kevin. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I don't get to talk to you guys very often. So, As always. Well, with that, we'll wrap up. And thank you for joining the podcast, Elevating Drone Life. Uh, you're welcome. Have a great day. Enjoy yours. Thank you for listening to the Elevating Drone Life podcast. If you were inspired, entertained, or learned something new, please share the podcast with your friends and fellow drone enthusiasts. Join us next time as we continue our mission of bringing the real world of drones to life. To learn more about the DroneU family, head to thedroneu.com or for enterprise solutions, propsflightschool.com.